0: Good morning. Good to see you this morning. It's Sturkey Hills. Is uh, it good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. 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 That's half of you. The other half's going to get excited by the end. Or if not, we're going to ignore today's commandment, which is do not murder. All right. We're in a series called Exodus on the Move because in this book in the Old Testament, 3,500 years ago, a people group, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, the people group that God would introduce himself to the whole world through is on the move. They've been liberated. And, and in, in, while they're in the wilderness, which is the, 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 the place between being delivered from bondage and being delivered into the promised land, it's called the wilderness. And there's a lot of chapters about wilderness living. And it equates to today that we live in the wilderness. If we're saved, we're, we are in the land of the wilderness between our salvation uh, when we meet Jesus and our glorification when we stand with Jesus in heaven. And so we learn about wilderness living and God gives us instructions. Now, he has given... The nation of Israel, 10 simple rules. And then Jesus and the apostles and disciples will expand upon that in the New Testament. So that's what we're looking at. So in the middle of this series called Exodus on the Move, we're in a mini-series called the Ten Commandments. And we're learning the Ten Commandments because they are important for you to know them. And before we started them, I joked about it. If If we just quizzed all of us on the Ten Simple Commandments, most of the people in the church would fail You know, we would guess and we'd get some of them right, but we wouldn't get them in order and probably wouldn't get all of them. So we're learning them and we're learning them with our fingers because I'm a simple person. Number one, everybody hold up one finger. One God. Everybody hold up two fingers. Two's too many. Never bow to another. Number three makes a W. Father, Son, Spirit, careful what you say. Number four, two fingers on each hand. Cross them. This is the universal sign for the letter R. Remember your rest. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, that was four. Last week, we talked about number five. Number five, salute. Honor your father and your mother. And then number six, are you ready? Thou shalt not kill. Okay? No murder. That's what we're talking about today. Now, today is going to be a heavy message because we're talking about death. We're talking about murder. And we're going to talk about how we are impacted by it and how we have the opportunity to impact it. And that's what we're gonna see today. So we've talked about in these commandments, the first four were given as vertical instruction, how we live with God. And then the latter six are given of how we deal with each other. And he started with the family. And today, right out of honor, your father and your mother, he's gonna dive into thou shalt not commit murder. So the title of the message today on the back of your worship guide is commandment number six, no murder. That's what we're gonna look at. Now, just like the other five commandments, if you've been here, you realize now that they're deep and rich and full because they came from God, an eternal God. And so they're more to them than what we read on the surface. And even though we may memorize them, it, it, it pays dividends in our Christian walk to understand the richness of them and, and how we walk in them and, and what they look like in their fullness according to the New Testament as, as they are amplified and expanded. So number one on the back of your life guide is this, God's perspective of murder. God's perspective of Murder, and we begin with the, today's focal passage, which is a really easy one: Exodus 20, verse 13. You shall not murder. Now, if I ask you, hey, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? Most of you would know. Oh, it's Jesus wept. I learned it before I learned John 3:16. In fact, that's the only two I know. Okay, that's the way a lot of people are. They know Jesus wept. They've got one in the chamber, right? Well, if you look in the original language, today we're going to see the the shortest verse if you're looking in the original language, just like Jesus wept. You see, in the Hebrew, the the words, the Hebrew words for thou shalt not murder is this, lo ratzak, which means this, no murder. That's it, okay, just no murder. God said, I'm going to be real clear, I don't want you to have any murder, no murder. Everybody say, no murder. Now on the surface, we're thinking, okay, I picked a good day to come to church because I hadn't murdered anyone, dodged a bullet, (laughs) no pun intended, okay? Not necessarily, maybe, just maybe, we are a little more guilty of this than we thought. And so by definition, the word murder means this, okay? It denotes the unlawful, premeditated, or immoral killing of another human being while also covering the unintentional causing of human death through carelessness or negligence. That's what murder means, okay? Now, of the 47 times that that this expression shows up in the Old Testament, let me tell you what it never means. It never means killing in a war, it never means slaughtering animals. It never means defending one's home from invasion. It never means that, okay? But because there's some misinterpretation of the terms, we, we develop these positions in life that, that we think we're being biblical, but maybe not. So through time, when the language, when the Bible was trans, uh, translated to English, it shows up in the King James Version. And if you have a King James Bible, it's a good Bible. It's not the best, but it's a good Bible. It says, Thou shalt not kill, not murder, kill. And so if you don't understand the root meaning of lo rot sock, meaning murder, then you develop positions like, I'm not going to serve the military because my faith says I can't kill somebody. Well, that's not a totally accurate position. Or there are organizations or agendas like PETA, which for the record does not mean people eating tasty animals, okay? They develop a position that says, oh, you kill animals, that makes you a murderer, okay? So we develop these positions about our life, some people get to the place where they don't want to own a gun because they don't wanna have to shoot somebody and I don't wanna have to shoot somebody either, but I own a gun, okay? So how do we find the balance? How do we determine what God meant when he said these two simple words in Hebrew, no murder? Well, we're gonna look at that today because some people move into the New Testament and they select a verse to say, ah, no murder, commandment number six is not applicable to the Christian community. Why? Because Jesus said in Matthew five thirty nine <clears throat> that you should turn the other cheek, okay? So if somebody murders somebody, then that means there's no capital punishment, okay? That means if somebody rapes your daughter then you should tell the rapist, I have another daughter. Would you be interested, right? That's not what it means. That's lunacy. It's foolishness. Jesus never intended that, okay? But we develop these ideas and these confusing agendas and positions that we take in our life. So when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, he's speaking in reference to in your life and in my life, when the fruits of the Spirit are not coming at you, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, when that's not coming from the other person towards you, when it's the alternative to that, turn the other cheek. Because there's people in this world who want to hurt you. There are evil people in this world. There are people not led by the Spirit of God. There are Christian people who act more in accordance sometimes with the rules of evil than they do with the rules of God's Word. So when things come against you and they hurt you, they disappoint you, they seem like they attack you, Jesus is saying, turn the other cheek. He is not talking about murder, okay? Now, Paul speaks into this idea about how we're to live with people. Romans 12, 18, if possible. Everybody say, if possible. He says, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Do not avenge yourselves, dear friends, but give place to God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. God's gonna take care of it. But at the same time, God puts people into positions of authority to give us rules and laws for our nations, for our states that we are to live under unless they directly push back or reject the truth of God's word. So we need to understand the commandments and we need to understand what it means when it says no murder. Now, it's important that we know that because God cares. But it's also important that we understand this because we live in a crime-ridden world saturated by evil. Included in that is murder. And so people today think it's okay to kill without any remorse. They don't expect any consequences or penalties. Why? Because we have devalued life. And we're gonna see why that's such a big problem today. So to help us kind of think outside the box and determine where we are in our our position about this thing, let me give you some scenarios. Let's say in New York, a man enters a home that is not his own. He's carrying a gun. His intention is to rob. The homeowner wakes up, he shoots the homeowner, and he dies. So you have to ask a question. In some states, the homeowner isn't allowed to shoot the intruder. Should he be allowed to shoot the intruder? Should the person who killed the man in his own home, should he be uh, charged with murder and then um, undergo capital punishment, lethal injection or um, electric chair or whatever form you want? Is capital punishment wrong in that situation? Um, Number two, suppose there's a leader of a, Country like President Vladimir Putin, and let's just suppose he invades a nation that might be called Ukraine, and, and let's just say this nation ha- it's been unprovoked. Ukraine is not trying to uh, attack or take over Russia, and in the process, let's say Vladimir Putin has terminated thousands of Ukrainians in the process. Okay then if you believe that there's, you can't fight in the military, should a Ukrainian army man, military person, should they shoot a Russian and kill them? Should there be a coup to assassinate the president of Russia? You see, you start thinking about these things and you're like, well, I'm asking a lot of questions. I don't know that I have all the answers right now, okay? Well, what about this one? What if two people conceive a baby and they decide they do not want the baby because of shame or inconvenience or embarrassment or immaturity and they believe because of what they've been told that the baby has no value after all until it's born. So they pay an abortion clinic to terminate the baby by lethal injection or physically extracting the baby part by part from the womb. Now, is it wrong for the abortion doctor to kill that baby? Would it be wrong for a person to stand in defense of the unborn baby and shoot that abortion doctor? You see, where do we draw the line? How do we begin to understand this thing? Now, what if you're driving down the road and you see a man who has drugged his wife out of the car and he is giving her a literal beat down on the side of the road? And she's on the ground trying to defend herself. And you pull over to defend this lady that you do not know. And in the process, you kill the man that was beating his wife. Should you be charged with murder? Because after all, you're the one that did the killing. You see, it gets tangled up fast. Meanwhile, Exodus says, no murder. It gets difficult. Now... Let me change gears a little bit now that you've already answered those questions in your mind. What if the premeditated murder in New York was not in New York? What if it was on your street? In fact, what if it was in your house? What if the murder took place in your house and your husband or your wife or your child was the one that was killed? Should you have had a gun and had the right to kill the intruder? Should the intruder who murdered your family member, now would you accept capital punishment in this case? What if Vladimir Putin, rather than invading Ukraine, he invaded East Tennessee? Don't know why he would, but what if he did? Would it be okay to shoot Russians who showed up in East Tennessee? Would it be okay to be a part of an assassination of the president of a foreign country? What about the pregnancy scenario? What if a drunk driver crosses the yellow line and hits your daughter? And in the process, your daughter was three months pregnant and her baby dies in the accident. Should this person be charged with murder who was driving the other car? All of the sudden, does life really have more value in the womb than we thought it did before? Simply because it's a baby that we want that of the mother of somebody we love so everything gets confusing it goes very deep it goes very fast now commandment number 6 no murder now, i want you to know what this is not saying this is not saying that there are times when killing is acceptable defending your home Biblically, acceptable to kill the intruder. To kill uh, someone in war, acceptable. To kill an animal, to eat, acceptable. Are you sure? According to the Bible. So let's look and see what it, what it says. Murder, to get there, we have to understand, murder doesn't show up in Exodus chapter 20. Murder shows up at creation. Because the murderer shows up just after creation. In Genesis 2, it all began. God has created mankind, and he said, these are the simple instructions for life. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to work and tend the garden. I want you to eat anything you want to eat, except for that one tree in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that's it. And along comes the murderer. Along comes the liar. His name is Satan. He shows up as Mr. Crafty, the serpent, in Genesis. In Genesis, he ingests the idea, or he suggests the idea of murder when he says, now, is it true that God really said that? He says, surely he won't do that to you. God is holding the better things back from you. Adam and Eve chose to believe the murderer and the liar, and death began. Satan was the first murderer. He began, He began the killing process in God's first people, Adam and Eve. John 8:44. This is what Jesus says about Satan. He says, "You people are from your father, the devil, and you want to do what your father." desires. Talking about Satan, he says, he was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not uphold the truth, because there is no truth in him. Whenever he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, because he is a liar and the father of lies. Listen, everything that God is, Satan is the antithesis, the opposite. God is life. Satan is Death. God is truth. Satan is lies. And so we begin to understand that murder comes is evil and it comes from the evil one. So what happens after that? It doesn't end when Adam and Eve fall. It doesn't end at the first murder. It goes on. The door to death and murder was opened and it never closed. Genesis 4. Adam and Eve have had children. Their firstborn is a guy named Cain, another son named Abel. Cain and Abel take offerings to God. Abel's is the first of his flock. Cain just brought offering. God accepts Abel's offering, rejects Cain's offering, so Cain murdered his brother. You see, it's in their, it's in their gene pool. It's, it's, in, it's in their nature now to kill. So, does it stop? Genesis 6 But the Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind had become great on the earth. Every inclination of the thoughts of their minds was only evil all the time. God looks at his creation now just six chapters into his word. And the intentions of mankind were only evil all the time. What's his response? Are you ready? He killed them all. With the exception of those found on the ark of salvation. God killed everybody because of the evil condition of their heart. By Genesis 9, everything is dead except Noah, his family, and the animals that God had sent to the ark. Well, that doesn't sound like a very loving God now, does it? He killed everybody. Men, evil. Women, evil. Evil, children of evil people. He killed them all. That's hard. That's really hard. But I, I wanna be clear, never try to package God in some little passive, mamby-pamby, do nothing about evil God. Because while he is a loving God, he is a righteous God. While he is a giving God, he is a holy God. God and so in all of his goodness he has to respond to evil and so while killing everybody but those on the boat God never God never deluded God never um, diminished his goodness and his holiness and his righteousness why because he's the same God that we talked about in commandment one he's God. He's a big God. He created everything. He sustains everything. He owns everything. He assigns a rule book to everything. And when everything rejects his leadership and his godness, at some point, God responds. And when God responds to evil, he strikes hard. So God destroyed all of it because of evil. And now we live in an evil world. Now watch this. What about murder? What about killing? What about exceptions to the rule? No murder. Well, before we got the Ten Commandments, Noah received five commandments. Post-flood, Noah is off the boat. God gives instructions in Genesis 9-6. This is what he says. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, commandment number one, which is very similar to the instructions in the garden. He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Commandment number one, Noah and your family, have babies, okay? That's a good one. Number two, every living creature of the earth and every bird of the sky will be terrified of you. Number two, enjoy dominion over everything other than mankind. Number three, I like this one. Verse three, you may eat any moving thing that lives. As I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. Commandment number three, eat meat with your vegetables. Amen? I thought, man, I would have got a bigger amen. Okay, let me rephrase it. Eat steak with your potato. Amen? All right, if I see any of y'all over at the steakhouse over, over here eating a vegetable plate, I'm gonna call you out. Commandment right here, told them, okay? And then he says this next commandment. He says, you must not eat meat with its life, that is the blood in it. So do not eat the meat, uh, eat the blood of the animals. And then the last commandment, number five, that he gives Noah and his family is regarding capital punishment. He says, whoever sheds human blood, by other humans must his blood be shed. For in God's image, God has made humankind. And so they have these five simple commandments to live by. So no murder in number six is is a law giving Given against, intentionally, with premeditation, killing or murdering someone else, listen, with unjust cause. That's what he's talking about. You got it? Now, point number two on the back of your life guide is God's priority for mankind. Why is this such a big deal? How did this, two words, no murder, how did this make the cut? Of all the instructions that God could give mankind, why does this one roll in just after the family at number six? Because human life is extremely valuable to God. Because in human life is found the intrinsic nature of God. It's in you. God has placed an image of himself in you. And so two reasons why this is such a big deal to God. Number one, life is a gift from God, given with his breath, and no one has the right to take away life for an unjust cause. Genesis 2-7 points to this. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Listen, you and I as people, as human beings, are the only part of creation that contains the breath of God in our lungs. I want you to understand that. Your labradoodle breathes air, but it is not the breath of God, okay? Now, some of y'all just started hating the preacher right now. You don't know my bobo, okay? I know enough about him to know he's a dog, she's a dog. Okay? There's nothing. There's nothing else created in your dog is not created in the image of God. Your cat, I'm not going to tell you the image it's created. That's a whole different story. But you and I are created in the image of God. Now it's broken. You know, we can look at the, we can look at our spouse and say, not a very good image right there. Or we can look in the mirror and say, extremely broken right there. But we're created with the breath of God. He placed life in us. He he took up a handful of dust that he created in Latin ex nihilo out of nothing at all, whispered into it, and created a man, breathed life into his lungs, and it started mankind. Number two, mankind is created in the image and likeness of God, and nothing else is. The word there is demuth in the Hebrew. It means a pattern, or you were cut from a template. Did you know that? It's why there's nothing else out there that looks like you. There's nothing out there that looks like us. You can read some foolish idea about evolution, about how we came from some single-cell amoeba in some primordial slime. We grew some feet, climbed up on the shore, grew some wings. Next thing you know, we're standing up eating bananas because we're a monkey. And today, here we are in a church wearing a sport coat. You may have come from a monkey, I did not. Okay? God is very clear about this. Human beings are the only one to move, cut from a template. Okay? A pattern. And the pattern is Jesus. Okay? And God's desire for you and for me, his ultimate goal is the same for every single one of us. And that is for us to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. It's good stuff. That's good stuff. Now. Genesis 127 tells us, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So murder stands against those two things. Murder usurps authority over the giver, sustainer, and taker of life. Murder, to take the life unjustly of another person, denies the value of man being created in God's image. Murder aligns our life with Satan, the murderer, rather than God, the life giver. So God drives this point home and says, no murder, because I love people. I created them for myself. I created them so I could display my glory to. I created them so they could worship me in spirit and truth. I created them so I could be in relationship with them forever. No other part of the creation has that. Nature except us. So murder is a big deal. Number three, God's perception of his mandate. Uh, What's God's perception of his mandate? So we'll address this this way. How big is murder in America? It's a good question. How big is murder in America? A murder takes the life of 181 people per day in America. 100 as an average you know, there's nobody keeping count. Oh, I've got to kill one more. It's an average. 181 per day. Now, I preached on family and talked about my mom making us. my mom and my dad saying everything bad happens after 11 o'clock. <laughs> Research revealed. You know what your most likely chance of being murdered is? From 1 until 3 in the morning. My mom was kind of right. Don't tell her. Don't tell her, okay? 1 to 3 in the morning is your best time, students. If y'all out running, if y'all out running around between one and three, I'm going to talk to your parents. Y'all need to be at the house. Okay. Amen. I'll amen myself. Okay. Y'all need to be at the house. Bad things happen. It's true. But now watch this. How much murder is 181 per day? That's approximately 66,000 murders every single year. It's an average of 22 people per every 100,000 people in America per year. Somebody should have left the 10 commandments on the wall in the elementary school, okay? Because it's not a bad idea. Don't kill each other, okay? But no, everybody has the rights now. Now, when I say that number, you say 66,000 people. So what is the political scream when it comes to murder, right, it's gun reform, right? It's gun control, it's taking away the guns. And don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of gun reform. I'm a a fan of some level of gun control, but sometimes we listen to the media or we listen to a politician and we determine our position in life about the Bible, about agendas in this world based on what somebody tells us and they're only telling us often part of the story. So what does that mean? Well, just so you'll know, do you know how many guns are registered in America? I didn't know this. 400 million. Do you know how many people are in America? <laughs> 330 million. We got more guns than we got people. You ain't gonna do too much gun control. You're gonna get shot what you're gonna get, okay? But out of those 400 million guns, it's estimated another 50 to 100 million unregistered guns in the wrong people's hands. Out of the 330 million people, only about a third, 110 million, actually own guns legally. So you don't know which ones they are, but if you go in their house, they got guns everywhere. They got multiple guns, okay? Okay, so, so that's the world we live in. Now, now, here's what I want you to listen to. Meanwhile, while 66,000 people are being murdered every year in America... And this big political scream is gun control. Meanwhile, as many or more are dying from alcohol, tobacco, tanning beds, and buffets. Ain't nobody screaming buffet reform. Not in the South, nobody. Nobody's screaming alcohol reform. Nobody's screaming tobacco product reform. Nobody's screaming tanning bed. I say tanning bed because it's skin cancer. Talking about buffets, it's because of heart disease. But nobody talks about that stuff and nobody tells you the rest of the story on how many people are killed by guns. Now listen to this. 66,000 murders per year in America, right? 80% of those murders are caused by gunfire, 80%. That means 52,800 people die by gunfire in America under the title of murder every year. But I want you to listen to this. 72% of those 52,800 are not homicide. 72% of them are suicide, self-murder, okay? That means every year out of 66,000 people, 14,784 approximately people are murdered by homicide by gunfire. Now, meanwhile, just to put it in perspective about the subject nobody else is talking about, meanwhile, 30,000 people died, excuse me, 39,000 people died in traffic accidents. (laughs) And we're not taking away the cars, I'm not suggesting that, okay? But out of those 39,000 people, 13,000 of them were alcohol-related. Nobody's screaming alcohol reform. You know why? A lot of the people... Who don't like guns they love alcohol so what we do is we some people with guns like alcohol I'm not saying that's not true too but listen to me we pick and choose these ideas okay meanwhile the truth somewhere is buried deep in an agenda and I want you to know today that when we talk about murder and we talk about suicide that just scratches the surface. You see, when we read a, a passage in the Bible that says, thou shalt not kill, or it says, thou shalt not commit murder. If you read it in Hebrew and it says, lo, rot shock," which, was shock, which means no murder. We think, killing somebody, right? That's not all. Sure, homicide is included. Cain and Abel is an example in the Bible. But no murder also includes suicide. That's where one person kills themselves, And it's sad, we live in a world if somebody is physically ill, maybe they're battling cancer, heart disease, some infirmity or sickness, we have compassion on them. We help them. We reach out to them. We do for them. But when people have a mental illness, we shame them. We reject them. And we judge them. And so we need to change that. But in the Bible, Listen, when somebody gets to a place dark enough in their life, they don't have to have a gun. There's other ways to eliminate themselves from the darkness that they find themselves in. In the Bible, King Saul, suicide with a sword. In the Bible, Judas Iscariot, suicide with a rope and a tree. There's other ways to do that, but I wanna be very, very clear right here. If you're here, and you ever, 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 ever find yourself in a dark place where those thoughts are coming in your mind, please, 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 please reach out to the church because we want to come alongside you and love you and give you help and find you some assistance, okay? Because God said no murder, and it includes suicide. So so when we talk about suicide, is suicide a sin? Are you ready? Yes, it is. So then the question is, well, if somebody commits suicide, do they go to heaven? That's a good question. You ready for the easy answer? If they're born again, they go to heaven. If they're not born again in Jesus, they go to hell. Just like somebody who dies of natural causes, you and I or the victim of suicide our eternal destiny is not determined on our perfect confession of sin it's determined by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus on a cross I want you to know that okay is it a sin yes Does somebody who dies of self-inflicted murder go to heaven or hell? It depends on the condition of their soul based on what Jesus did. Many, 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 many Christians, I would say most if not all Christians, die with some level of unconfessed sin in their life. We don't go to heaven because of confession. We go to heaven because of redemption. Now, I believe... One reason that I believe that, that we can know this with, with certainty is that God doesn't turn His back on their children when we make them have a bad decision, have a bad day, make a bad choice. I have two daughters. I raised two daughters. I love them with my life. I would give them anything. And and there there have been times when they said or did things that were disappointment to me. They said or done things that hurt me. Said or done things that I wish they wouldn't have. I never stopped loving them. They were never. They never stopped being my daughters. I believe God's love is like that, only infinitesimally greater. God loves me on my best day. God loves me on my worst day. And my sin doesn't affect his love toward me. He is love, period. And so I believe That no homicide, uh, no murder means no homicide. No murder means no suicide. What about this one? No murder also means no genocide. Genocide is the deliberate killing of a large group of people, especially those of a particular ethnic group or nation. Genocide is when one people group, one political persuasion, one tyrant or leader decides another people group has less value, that they are less than, lower than, and so they begin to try to exterminate them because they are a threat to their own security. They're a threat to their own economy. They're a threat to their own, uh, to their own narcissistic ways. And so in history, we've seen some of these. Adolf Hitler, he genocided, if there's such a word, 17 million Jews, 17 million Hebrews. He murdered Okay, he's not alone. Joseph Stalin murdered 40 million people in genocide. Mao Zedong, the Chinese emperor, murdered 50 million people. 50 million, that's terrible. We hear that, and say, how could that happen? It happened because people wouldn't say anything. People would not take a stand. And so this tyrant, this leader, one by one, he murdered and he murdered and he murdered. So no murder means no homicide, no suicide, no genocide. Now let's talk about the most uncomfortable one in our church and in our society. No murder means no infanticide. What is infanticide? It's when a society or a culture kills unwanted children. And that is who we are in American culture. Now we dress it up, make it more trendy and palatable. We call it pro-choice. We say things like, my body, my choice. Meanwhile, there's a baby with a body who's screaming, what about my choice? What is this called in America? Abortion. What is it in reality? Infanticide. Now, some of you have already formed opinions about abortion in your mind because you've listened to the wrong narrative. You've taken off your biblical glasses and you listen through the lens of the world and you immediately go to this place where it says, well, what about rape or incest? That's a conversation for another day. Less than 1% of all of the multiplied millions of babies who have been murdered less than 1% have anything to do with rape or incest. We'll set those aside. So then what we say is, well, I think everybody ought to make their own choice, okay? God has made the choice. Telling the world in your circle, I think every woman and man should have the freedom to make that choice. And if they make that choice because they believe this idea that a baby is not alive until it's post-birth, out of the womb, and no longer required, no longer requires its mother for sustenance and life, we're in trouble. A large portion of our national population requires support from the government. Does that mean they're not of value anymore? no. Everybody is of value. Why? Because of what we saw in point two. God gave life, and God created us in His image. Now, you you may not want to hear this today, but I am going to tell you, you know how many. Do you know how many abortions, how many babies we're going to terminate this year in America? Just shy of one million. Since Roe v. Wade nineteen seventy two, we have terminated in America sixty three million babies extracted them from what should be the safest place on the planet, seated in their mother's womb and we've injected saline solution in there. We went in there and extracted part by part these babies from their womb and it is infanticide and it's murder. And for a long time, for a long time, The devil, the murderer and the liar, he convinced us that it's really not a life until it's born. But then in 1950, God gave wisdom to a man named Ian Douglas, who was a professor of obstetrics at Glasgow University in Scotland. And because he had a predisposed uh, philosophy about abortion, he invented this thing called the sonogram. The ultrasound. And don't get me wrong, in 1950, it was rough, but you could still see a heartbeat. And it wasn't a whole lot better than than that about 30 years ago. I remember when we had Caitlin and Kelsey, and we went in and they put the jelly on her belly, and they rubbed that little thing around on there, and they had a TV set up there. Looked like a 1965 RCA with no antenna. If it had a sound, it would sound like this. And the little nurse in there, the doctor, whatever she was, oh, there's the heartbeat. And there was a little dot in the middle going, boom, 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 boom. Okay, I'm going to go with, that's the heart. I'm with you. And then she said, oh, and look at the kidneys. They're forming just right. I'm looking. I ain't seeing no kidneys. I mean, I've eaten kidney beans. I'm, I've seen no kidneys. Oh, the liver. Look at the, oh, the little spine. Look at and I'm like, you squint. Maybe maybe if I blur my vision, I can see it. You know, like one of those bad pictures. Okay. All I know is we saw a heartbeat. We saw a heartbeat. Today, it's not a 1965 RCA with no antenna. Now it's high def. You can even tell which parent it looks like. That way, you can pray for it before it gets here. <laughs> you can see if, there, if, there's, if it's gonna be a high risk delivery. You can see the little fingers and toes, the little eyes. I mean, it's incredible. So, so early on, some bright mind who didn't really like the idea of a bunch of babies being born to people who wouldn't take good care of them, okay, you can, it's good salesmanship, it's not really a baby, it's a, it's a fetus, okay? But now, listen to me, and if you leave the church over it, find you a good one, okay? If you look at a sonogram today and you see a baby in the womb, and you can't believe that that's truly a baby that's alive. You are an idiot. Now, you can get mad at me. It's okay. I'll lose some people if I need to. It's a life. When they stick things in there to do tests or to extract material, the baby retracts. I mean, these babies are alive. And now with modern technology, they're born so early, they, for, forever ago they wouldn't have lived. But today they live their lives and we're exterminating hundreds of thousands of them in America every year. So maybe you're not convinced that it is a life. Fine. What does God think about it? Because that's all that matters. My opinion doesn't matter. Your gynecologist doesn't matter. Some baby doctor doesn't matter. All that matters is what God says. And we already know we're created in His image. We already know He gives us life, and nobody else unjustly should cause that harm. But listen what He says in Exodus 21, verse 22. He says, "If a man, if men fight and hit a pregnant woman, and her child is born prematurely, hold the phone." God said, "When the child is born prematurely, not the fetus, not the tissue, when the child is born prematurely, but there's no serious injury." The one who hit her will surely be punished in accordance with what the woman's husband demands of him, and he will pay what the court decides, verse 23. But if there is serious injury, then you will give a life for a life. Do you hear what God is calling that baby in the womb? A life. And if that life is injured or damaged or terminated, life for life. If there's serious injury, then you will give a life for life. What about Psalm 139, verse 13? Certainly you made my mind and heart. You wove me together in my mother's womb. I will give you thanks because your deeds are awesome and amazing. You knew me thoroughly. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret and sown together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was inside the womb. All the days ordained for me were recorded in your scroll before one of them even came into existence. How difficult it is for me to fathom your thoughts about me, O God. And he's talking about his pre-birth existence. Jeremiah 1.5, God said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and I set you apart. We should all be ashamed. Ashamed that we don't do more to help the undefended, the innocent of the womb. Ashamed if we've been a part of an abortion. Ashamed if we elect politicians who support that heinous crime against God and that baby. Life begins at conception. You know, when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, she went to see her cousin Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist. The scripture says while they were in the womb, Mary just showed up. John the Baptist in the womb knew that Jesus showed up in the womb. I'm talking about this is big. I mean, life in the womb is a special, special thing, and we need to treat it that way. And then we wonder why all hell is breaking loose in our society. We wonder why on Monday of this last week, somebody gets pulled over right down here below the church entrance by a police officer. And the guy pulls a gun out and started shooting at him, at the police officer. This is not L.A. It's not Chicago. It's Dragette Pike. Ain't nobody getting shot on Dragette Pike. Yeah, they are. Because that's the world we live in. Because we have taken what God has selected and chosen and ordained to be special, and that is human life, and we've devalued it. We watch these Video games and these movies with all of this bloodshed, and we get desensitized to it, and then we wonder why the world is falling apart at the seams. So, no murder means no homicide, no murder means no suicide, no murder means no genocide, no murder means no infanticide. That's all Old Testament. What happens in the New Testament? Jesus amplifies it. Scripture doubles down on it. Matthew 5, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus said, Anger. Anger leads to murder. If you're just angry in your heart, you've murdered in your heart. You say, Well, I'm not convinced it means that. First John chapter 3, verse 15, everyone who hates his fellow Christian is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. It's pretty serious stuff. So all of those sides, plus anger, plus murder, they all fit in the category. Or anger and hatred all fit in the category of murder. And so, so I want to leave you with something. How can we? How can we change things? How can we impact our world? I want to give you three three ways, and we're done. Okay, we're great. Three three ways. Number one, as you leave today, you can grab some of these baby bottles. They're out in the lobby as you leave on a table. You can grab one, or you can grab twenty. I just want you to fill them up. You can fill them up with pennies, quarters. You can roll up checks and put them in there. Roll up $100 bills. Whatever you want to do, fill them up. Every penny of this of these offerings will go to Choices Resource Center, and you will be a part of saving babies. There ain't no cooler battle to fight, man, to, to save a baby. Some of you old people, you can stand on your own, and I ain't helping you. But a baby in the womb, un, defenseless, you can help with that. You can push back. You can begin to have conversations about infanticide, about you really believe that life begins at conception, not at birth. So pick up some of these on the way out. Number two, there's a world out there who is literally dying forever for somebody to tell them about the finished work of Jesus on a cross for them. They're dying to hear it. And they're waiting for you to tell them. There's a Celebrity. His name is Penn Jillette. Uh, you might have seen the show, uh, the magician show, Fool Me, or whatever it's called, Penn and Teller. They have a show in Las Vegas, and he's an outspoken atheist, okay? Rejects the notion of God. He tells a story, and if you watch the video, he's very serious about it. He said he's completed a show, and a guy came up to him, and he said, this guy was different. He looked me right in the eye, and he told me, he said he was just kind and genuine. And he said he told me how much he appreciated the show and the words I said. And, and he, he said he was just, he, I mean, he goes on and on about it. He was just a kind soul. And he said, and then he reached out and he said, I would like to give you a gift. And he gave him a Gideon Bible. He says with the New Testament and Psalms. And he said he wrote some notes in the front. And he said, I would just like for you to have that. Now, It shook Penn Gillette's world. I mean, it rocks him. You can see it in the video. And then he said this, I have always said that I do not respect people who don't proselytize, meaning try to convince people of what they believe. He said, I don't respect it at all if you believe there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever and you think it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward and then he says this how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize how much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that pretty profound huh so I'm telling you today, number two, way you can change your world and push back against death is share the love of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're not comfortable doing that yet. Listen to me. You invite them to church, I'll tell them about our faith. Okay, I will. Number three, personally, you need to be absolutely sure on this day that you are not committing spiritual suicide. Well, what is that? That's a person who plays games with their faith, plays games with religion, checks box, religious boxes along the way, but they never surrender their life to Jesus Christ for salvation. And if you died today, you would not go to heaven because religious people do not go to heaven. Born again people go to heaven. And so number three, personally, make sure that you've surrendered yourself to Jesus. And that's it. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that some of these messages are fun and easy to preach and then others are difficult and hard, hard to preach, hard to hear. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will challenge our heart to have a new view on murder and realize the broad ramifications of that simple phrase, no murder. God, I pray that we'll stand in the gap for the unprotected, for the defenseless, for the babies who did not ask for the circumstances they're in. But God, you gave them life, and it's only you that should be able to take it away. I pray, God, that as a church, we would stand together and help organizations like Choices do what they do. God, I pray that we will be bold in our proclamation of the power of the saving name of Jesus in our world. How much could we hate somebody that we would commit spiritual murder in their life by never suggesting the idea of who Jesus is and how he can radically change our eternal destiny? And then thirdly, God, I pray for the one here, for the many here who may be religious, but on this day, they're playing Russian roulette with spiritual suicide, that they're not certain that they've got it worked out with you, that they've received your grace gift, that they've been adopted into your family, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit will invite them, will woo them and draw them and call them into your forever family. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will give them understanding and will give them a boldness to receive your gift, that on this day, in all of eternity, they would be considered a child of God. Of the Most High God. I thank you. I praise you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.